Welcome to the AT Parenting Survival Podcast, where you get help and guidance through the chaos of parenting a child with anxiety or OCD. This show is for educational purposes and is not intended to replace the guidance of a qualified professional. Here's your host, child therapist, Natasha Daniels. Well, hello there, and welcome to another episode of the AT Parenting Survival Podcast. How are you doing? How is your summer going? So today I want to talk about something that I think a lot of us experience or unfortunately will experience, and that is having anxiety or OCD symptoms go, and we're like, woohoo, happy dance. Things seem really good. You know, we get our house back, we get our kids back, and then down the road, it comes knocking back on your door. It's like, hello, I'm back again. Remember me? I know you might have forgotten me. Let me remind you. And that can be really really overwhelming, not just for your child, but for you as well. So today I want to talk about how to handle that because there is a way that we can handle that in a more effective way and talk a little bit about our experience that's going on at my house right now. But before we get started, I do want to thank NoCD for sponsoring this episode. NoCD offers affordable, effective, convenient therapy. They're available in the U.S. and outside the U.S., And you can schedule a free 15-minute consultation to see if NoCD is a right fit for you and your child. Just go to treatmyocd.com. That's treatmyocd.com. Love NoCD because they are really doing a big service to the OCD world, especially those of us that have kids, to make treatment more accessible. So check them out. I apologize for my voice. I don't know if you can hear it. I feel like sometimes like I'm more aware of how my voice sounds than maybe the way that it is coming across on the mic, but I had COVID like over a month ago and I just cannot get my, my voice back. You know, and I feel like my head is like in this like muffly cloud. Uh, Hopefully it's not long haul COVID. I still have like this like itchy, like throat thing going on. So it hurts to breathe. (laughs) So that's what's going on at my house. Just the remnants of, but it gets better every day. So let me be positive. I want to start with talking about how to handle when these symptoms come back. And if you are kind of new to this rodeo, this isn't meant to scare you. It's really a perspective issue. It's about understanding the disorder and having a different view on it. So anxiety and OCD, and I always say this to the parents that I used to work with in my practice to help them start off with the right perspective. But, you know, spoiler alert, it doesn't really help too much when it actually happens to you, but it is good to actually start with the foundational belief that anxiety and OCD is a chronic illness or disorder. Illness is probably the wrong word. My apologies. And it's, I like to kind of clump it in there with like diabetes or asthma, that it's a lifestyle that you have to learn how to tweak and adapt. And, you know, with diabetes, you know, you have to monitor your sugar levels, even when you know, you're doing well. And so it's something that you always have to keep tabs on. And with asthma, you know, you could be doing really well, but then something happens, you, you know, do something and your asthma can act up. And anxiety and OCD disorders are similar. That doesn't have to be a doom and gloom thing. It's just understanding that you're not curing a cold. You're not fixing it. You're not eradicating it. It's not like, oh, you had this really bad flu and now we're going to fix it with these tools, and now it won't come back. So when you have that understanding, that does help. And there are things that can 
make anxiety or OCD symptoms come back. And there are things that, you know, are the unknowns. And so anxiety and OCD can pop up again when there's stress. So when there's like environmental stress, which could really be like anything, you know, going back to school or even getting, there could be physiological stresses like uh, getting sick, having infections, or having hormonal changes and different things. But there's also times where nothing is happening. And so I think a lot of times I will see in the AT parenting community that sometimes we can get stuck on the why. Why did this come back? Because it's kind of like a bad guy broke into my house for the second time. And I want to know where was the security leak? You know, what did I do wrong to protect my house? And that's really the wrong way to look at it because there are times where anxiety or OCD will just show up. You might find that it shows up at the same time each year or different events trigger it or that it just randomly pops up. And so don't get too hooked onto the why because most of the time, unless you're dealing with like an infection or something like that, it doesn't matter. It's not going to help. And so that's the foundational stuff I want us to at least understand first before I start this. And and realizing that we are building our child's skills and that is why it is so important to make sure that they are you're moving towards independent skills. And I did a podcast on this pretty recently. Actually, it was like super recently. It was episode 270, which was like I think 2 weeks ago. So yeah, I'm in a like a weird time warp bubble since I got back from the OCD conference. I've just been kind of like in my own little world. But we really want to foster our kids owning their own journey with anxiety or no OCD. And that's what I was talking about in that episode. So you can catch that if you haven't seen it yet, episode 270. And I will link it in the show notes. So that long term, they have these skills and they're not dependent on us. And so that's our ultimate goal is to say, I want you to learn how to manage this. It's kind of like, you know, I once had this child who had diabetes in my practice and they were getting older and the parent was teaching them to check their own sugar levels, to understand the equipment that they had to navigate, to know what to eat when things were being difficult so that the parent didn't have to micromanage that. And long-term, they're developing that independent skill to take care of themselves. And that's really important for us with our kids with anxiety or OCD is This will pop up periodically and those skills that you've learned, you don't lose them. You're going to use them again and again. So I'll go into more detail, but I do think it's important to recognize that it's not normally one and done. It can disappear from the face of the earth rather abruptly. And I've seen this happen a lot in my practice where a young child will get moral OCD in particular. Moral OCD seems to be like One of the first themes that I see in my practice, at least, that pop up. And then we'll work on it. And then as quickly as it popped up, it disappears. And then maybe a few months later, maybe a year later, they're back again with a new theme. And that's OCD. Now, sometimes it can be pandas and pans, but it is also important to recognize that OCD does come and go. And I think we get a little, I I get a little worried that people see that that one aspect and they say, well, if it, if it goes away completely and then it comes back, then it's pandas and pans. That's just one red flag of many red flags. And you can educate yourself at pandasnetwork.org because they have a really good website and they have all the symptoms to look for because it's not just about 
sudden onset and then it disappearing because OCD can do that in and of itself without the pandas and pans element. But it is a red flag, but it's only one, one red flag. And so we want to be aware that just because it's gone or it's, you know, not as bad or it's manageable, that we don't stop working on it. So I'll tell you a little bit about what's going on here at my house. I asked my daughter for permission as she gets older. You know, I've always asked for permission, but I am making sure to ask every single episode if she's okay with me talking about including her in my stories. And thankfully, she's such a kind-hearted person and she really wants to help other people and other kids. And she she understands that us sharing some of our experiences helps you and helps your kids because then you know firsthand, you know, someone else's experience. And I think we can learn the most through stories and not just preaching or teaching. And so that's why we share a lot in my house. We do that as a family. It's kind of our mission to help other people. And so we've hit a bump lately and it's not a really bad bump, but it's been bumpy. I know all the foundational stuff I just talked to you about. I know anxiety and OCD can be cyclical. I know that it's a chronic disorder. I know that it comes back and then it gets better and it comes back and it gets better. I know all that intellectually, but it didn't stop me from feeling overwhelmed, fearful, a little like post-traumatic stress coming on, my own panic. So the first thing we want to acknowledge is our own emotions. And Sometimes, and I'm working on this, and maybe it's something that you're working on too, I beat myself up for having emotions I don't want to (laughs) have. Do you do that? I do that. And I can't stop the emotions that I have, right? And so I've, I've been working on that in the past year and a half because I've been really diving deep, you know, with my grief for my husband's passing, just been really like hyper focusing on everything, the way that I think about everything, the way that I view things, the way that I handle things. And one of those is getting upset when either I have anxiety or when I'm anxious about my child's anxiety or OCD. And this time around, I've had a different approach because I'm in a different space. And it started to pop up really bad, trying to think when we went to Hawaii. So went to Hawaii and she had a new theme, a completely new theme which really rocked my world because it's a theme that she's still not comfortable with with me talking about. And because it was just so vastly different, I just, I guess I was still in that space. This is a totally like weird space where I was like, maybe my child doesn't have OCD. (laughs) You know how there's like a meta, meta OCD themes, you know, where like, do I have, is this even OCD? Do I have OCD? I feel like I have that for my kids. And when my husband was alive, I'd say to him, do you think they have OCD or do you think I'm making it up or am I seeing it because I see it everywhere? And because luckily he was like a totally neutral person who's not a therapist, not in this world at all. He's like, no, no, that's definitely OCD or that. No, that's definitely a problem. And it helped me because I felt like maybe I'm seeing things, but there was still a part of me that thought, you know, I mean, she had sensory motor OCD, like she had to pee a lot. And she had emetophobia, the fear of throw up. And I was like, no, those necessarily have to be, you know, maybe they're just anxiety or maybe, maybe it's not that bad. But then when she got this new theme that was clearly OCD, a very clear, distinct OCD theme, 
I think it kind of rocked my world that she was going to get new themes and it scared me that she could get scarier themes, like themes that I felt would be harder to manage. And again, those are my own fears showing up. I have my own anxiety disorder and a lot of you do as well. And even if you don't have a disorder, quote unquote, we have anxious thoughts. We have a lot of post-traumatic stress related to our kids' big bumps. And so it's okay to have these thoughts and it's okay to, to notice them and to recognize them. Just like we tell our kids, you can have an intrusive thought or feeling. You can't control that. It's what you do with it that matters. And the first step is acceptance. So I recognized that I was very fearful. You know, I was fearful for what that meant. And then things kind of calmed down after that for a while. And then I randomly signed her up for a sleepaway camp. We got an email from an organization. You know, there's so many good organizations out there that help grieving children. And they said, hey, you know, we can pay for her to go to this camp, the sleepaway camp for a week. Just let us know if you want to go. And it was starting in a week. And so we had very short notice. And she didn't have any issues with separation anxiety or any of those things. And I think I've already shared this story before. If you are a continual listener of the podcast, then you know my stories. And so she was excited to go. And I didn't think twice about it. I thought, this is great. This will be really fun for her. So she started to get more and more nervous as the day was coming. And then by the morning, a full-blown anxiety attack. She couldn't go. And I did a podcast on this as far as like when to push and when not to push. And I talked about like it was a bridge too far. Like there was no way that this was going to work out. Now, hindsight, I saw a lot of things that I could have done to maybe make that a little bit better. I could have explored her fears a little bit more. She was afraid about being on the bus. If I had known that, I would have driven her. And so that was probably the biggest mistake that I made. But, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty, And so, you know, what is that expression? Monday, Monday night quarterbacking. <laughs> it's a sports, it's a sports saying, so I'm going to mess it up. It just doesn't help, right? To look back and then just start to like criticize yourself. It is what it is. But after that, she had a lot of anxiety about going to band camp, which was only two hours for a week. It was just right down the road, which was never an issue. She powered through that. And then this past weekend, well, she was anxious about flying. We, we've done quite a few trips. We went to Europe. Then we went to the OCD conference. And for each trip, there was a lot of anticipatory anxiety. And then she was invited to a sleepover, which she's done before and has never been a problem. She was very, very anxious to go to that. That happened this past weekend. And then she had a great time. So she was able to do all of those things. But we had a conversation about this yesterday when she was going to bed and she was really upset. And she said, mom, I feel like my anxiety and OCD is, is like back, like so strong. And it was upsetting to hear her acknowledge that. But yet it's a good thing that she recognized that. When she was nervous about going to the sleepover with a family that she knew and is comfortable with, that fear bubbled up in me again. So I was incredibly, we'll talk about me first because I want to, I want you to start with you. Don't start with your child. You know, it's always starting with your emotions, your perceptions, your junk, because we can't help our kids until 
we help ourselves. And I know that sounds kind of cheesy, but it is so true. You can't operate from a lens that's muddy and gritty and it's got all your gunk on it. You have to take off your lens, clean it, you know, evaluate it and reframe yourself. And then your lenses are a little bit cleaner and clearer. And then you can purely help your child. And so I know I really freaked out during the Hawaii thing because it was like a true slap in the face to say, oh no, the diagnosis is correct. And, you know, brace yourself because there's going to be other themes and themes that might feel a little bit more out of your control or out of your depth, which they aren't, but those were the feelings that I had. And then a little reprieve, you know, not big bumps. You know, I was a little nervous about band camp because I thought, oh my gosh, this is continuing. This isn't going away. But she powered through it and I powered through it. And then seeing her being anxious to go to sleepover, I was feeling a little bit better because I saw her power through all of those other things. When we were going to Europe, she was the night before she goes, what if, what if I can't go? What if I just can't do it? And there was this huge fear in me thinking, oh crap, what if she can't go? I mean, she's 10. I can't force her on a plane. And it was a really expensive tour I just paid for. And I don't want that to be a slippery slope. And so I recognized all the fear that I've been having. And just like we want to work on our child's perceptions and fears as they hit new bumps, we have to work on our own. It's a parallel process a lot of the time, especially if you do happen to have anxiety or if you're triggered by your child's bumps. But it's a parallel process. I feel like I'm working on my anxiety along with her, you know, based on her own anxiety. Does that make sense? Like I have my own anxiety issues and I'm working on that and they're separate. But then I also have my reactionary anxiety that that's solely based on her and how well she's doing. And, and not just her, my son, you know, we're a full platter of anxiety and OCD here. So, you know, my son and in the past, my oldest daughter. So, and that doesn't change either. Like, you know, they just kind of rotate in and out. So this latest time, this past weekend, when she said, mom, I, I'm really anxious about going, I noticed that my anxiety didn't peak as high. And part of that is because she's been doing difficult things. And so I started to reframe it to myself. And I said, she's going to have these, these bumps and that's okay. And She's gone through the other ones, and this is good practice for her. The more she can kind of power through her anxiety and OCD, the better. And and for some reason, that just that just kind of calmed me, and I was just able to say, whatever happens, happens. This is just part of the part of the deal. And so you say to yourself, whatever you need to say. It will be different for each one of us. But I got her there, and with her, whenever I get her somewhere, it's always about the process of going. But once she's there, she's fine. And she was fine. And she disappeared as I was talking to the parents and she had a great time. And I picked her up really late the next day and she was fine. But then that night, which was last night, she had that observation. And and she actually had a really good analogy because I said to her, you know, all your tools aren't gone just because O-Cloud decides to show up again. And O-Cloud is her, what we call her anxiety and OCD. It's very mushed together at this point. She has like intrusive thoughts about change. She doesn't like anything to change. And I think that that's a mixture of anxiety and OCD. 
there's a lot of themes that OCloud is trying to hook onto. And so it's sometimes hard to tell what it's trying to hook onto at any given moment. A lot of it's basically anxiety right now. And so with her anxiety about going to this person's house, we talked about her red thoughts and her green thoughts, which is my anxiety approach, not my OCD approach. And luckily she was able to move right into that. And so those skills, those skills that you've grown with your child have not disappeared. And that's something that we have to remind ourselves and remind our children. Now, my daughter is sometimes wise beyond her years. And she said to me, mom, it's like, it's like a horse and it's like a wild horse. And I know how to ride a horse and I know how to calm down a horse, but this horse is acting like more out of control. And I thought it was a really good analogy because the rider is the same, right? And I mean, you can use this for your kids in whatever metaphor works. So if they are into soccer, this is just a really rough team. Like all of their soccer still skills are the same, but this is a really skilled team or they have new moves or maybe they're playing rough on the fields and you know using moves that aren't allowed. Use a metaphor, but the player still has their skills. Um, or they're a good chess player. They're just playing against someone else who's uh, really good at chess. And so she did say something. I said, well, what skills do you think you're using to help you? And she did say, well, I just think my medication is what's helping. And I said to her, to just add to her metaphor, I said, the medication, you know, is, and I'm not a horse person, so bear with me. But I said, it's like the seat, the saddle. There we go. It's the saddle that allows you to sit on the horse, right? And have that stability to then ride it. But you still have to learn to ride it. You still have to do exposures and challenges and do your own work to ride that horse to calm it down and to tame it. You know, the medication is just the saddle. And so you can use that also as as an example. We don't want our kids to depend on the medication in the sense that they don't feel like, one, they're giving themselves any credit for the skills and hard work they're doing. And two, that they don't have to do anything, that maybe they just need to increase their medication, but they don't have to show up and do something. A lot of times it's both, right? You need to assess the medication and you also need to, you know, tap into those skills. Once again, those skills haven't disappointed you. Those skills haven't failed you. It's just that this particular horse is pretty wild and you have to tame it right? Or this team is pretty skilled or they're sneaky or they're cheating. And so you have to work around that. And that's, that was a good conversation we had last night because I felt like that made her feel better. And I said, look, O'Cloud is going to try different tactics. And, and here's another perception shift for both you and your kid. The better you get at crushing anxiety or OCD, the more sneaky, you know, or whack-a-mole-ish your anxiety or OCD will be. And that's okay. That That's a good sign. It means that you've been doing really, really, really good. And so it's trying to grab onto something new. But, and I like metaphors, so I use a lot of them. You know, it's like a weed. And it's a very tiny little weed when it pops up. And the sooner you start to just pull out those weeds before it's been able to develop really deep roots, the easier it will be. And so even though you're you know, you're coming up with these new themes or you're having more anxiety, you are very skilled at pulling them up. And so even though they seem extreme, they will be quicker to get rid of. And so normally, not always, but normally the length 
of these episodic bumps tend to go smaller or or get resolved quicker than the very first one. And that's a hopeful thing. And so it's okay to sit with your your sadness for a little while. And I feel like if you don't, if you don't do that and you don't allow your child to do that on some level, then it bubbles up in other ways. I feel like we have to accept our emotions and we have to grieve for a period of time for whatever we're dealing with. I think we're so quick to want to slap a happy, happy label on something or, you know, slap a happy emotion on something because we're uncomfortable with the emotions that it's bringing up. You know, like it means that, you know, we could put value to it. It means that I don't believe in my child or it means that their skills aren't as good as I thought, right? We can tell ourselves a story related to those emotions, but what if we just accepted them and say, yeah, it's normal for me to feel sad or depressed or hopeless or fearful or numb or ambivalent. Those are other feelings that you might have. You might be done with this. I just can't, I don't have anything else in my tank for this. I am, I am ambivalent towards this now. Everyone will show up with different feelings, different ways to cope and just recognize and notice those feelings and notice them and honor them and say, yes, all those feelings are understandable. And do the same for your kids. It's, you know, that's what I did with my daughter. I said, yeah, I know it's upsetting. And I get that it's upsetting for you. You know, I didn't try to talk her out of feeling upset about it or tell her, you know, that it's okay, you know, because she's fine and she'll be fine. You know, sit with those feelings for a little while, but you don't want to sit with them forever, right? Because then you have to pivot and say, okay, I've had those feelings and now how do I reframe them? Now, how do I look at this from a different perspective? And it's the same thing with intrusive thoughts or feelings that we teach our kids, right? They have an intrusive thought or feeling. They can't control that aspect, right? So they have to recognize it and notice it and accept it. And then they pivot and say, what do I do with these feelings and thoughts? What would be the most productive thing to do? And so at that point, when you're pivoting, then you turn into a cheerleader as a parent, first for yourself, right? You have to do it for yourself first, and then you do it for your child or your teenager. And you say, you know, you've done this before. And anxiety and OCD is like asthma or is like diabetes. That helps my kids. It puts it in perspective for them. And all your skills are still there. And then use examples from the past. You know, I pull in examples and I said, you have done such a great job at at showing up and walking through your fears. And what I said to her yesterday when she was scared about going to the sleepover, or it was two days ago, actually, at this point, I said to her, it's okay to feel anxiety, right? It's what you do with it that matters. So you can feel anxious and go to the sleepover. You can feel like you can't go and you can feel sick to your stomach and you still go, right? The anxiety, the feelings of nervousness is not what we're trying to get rid of because we really can't, right? And same thing for you. You can have those feelings inside and still motivate your child and be a cheerleader for them. And so that helps because I think sometimes our kids gauge their success by their physiological state. And it's good to tell them it's okay to feel anxious. It's what you do that matters, not how you feel. Because you could feel really crappy and you still do it. And that's still a win because you did it. You did something uncomfortable and that's good. And so like, I don't like going to the OCD conference, to be honest with you. (laughs) I mean, it's so triggering for my social anxiety. 
It's really overwhelming. Thank you for those of you that came up to me and said hello. Totally appreciate that. That does actually help me. It makes me feel better. But I left there at the end of that weekend. You know, it was actually five days. It was very long. And I felt exhausted. It took me a whole week to kind of just recover. And so I felt anxious and uncomfortable the whole time, but I did it. And so it's still a win. Even if I wasn't like, you know, doing cartwheels throughout it, I still did it and I got through it. That's what we're teaching our kids. You do difficult things and it may not feel good when you're doing it. It may never feel good, but you still are able to do it. And that's what counts. And she said a really interesting thing last night when we were talking before I put her to bed. And she said, you know, mom, I was thinking about this and all of this started up again when I couldn't go to that sleepaway camp. That was a good notice, right? It was a good awareness. And I said to her, that's really, really insightful of you to recognize when O'Cloud kind of got its power back. And it's a good reminder that O'Cloud, we watch Stranger Things. And so I've been using a lot of Stranger Things analogies. Do whatever works for your child, you know, whatever speaks to them. But I said, you know, it's kind of like a hive mind, right? The octopus, like, is like every battle or every, you know, struggle that you have is a tentacle. And when that tentacle is able to overpower you, the entire beast gets bigger, it gets more empowered, it gets more boldened. And so your oak cloud was like, boom, drop the mic. You know, I got her not to go to camp. And that made the oak cloud huge, you know, got a big ego and it thought I can dominate her just from that one win. And you have had so many more wins after that. And when I made her count them and go through them, how many wins have you had since that loss? There were many, many, many. And I said, but Oakland doesn't want you to think about that. It just wants you to think about that one loss. And so the more wins you have, you're going to get back your strength and your power because you have all the skills to do that. And it's a good reminder that when O'Cloud is really trying to make you not do something, to realize it's not only that one thing that it's making you not want to do, but the power and the ripple effect that it can have on the other things, once you give it a little bit of leeway, it just knocks open the door. And so that was a good conversation to motivate her to realize not to feel bad about her losses. And I don't even really frame them Normally, as losses, I can normally find something that she did to turn it into a win. But the sleepaway camp was just such a blatant loss for her that it wasn't going to sugarcoat it and try to make her feel better with a false sense of victory on that one. It was a true just loss. But every battle is an individual battle. But I think that it can help with her motivation to say, remember sleepaway camp. I I don't want O'Cloud to get any more power back. And so building her own awareness for how her anxiety and OCD work is really huge because that's something I want her to have with her as she grows up that has nothing to do with me. I don't want her to see me as, you know, the keeper or the crusher of her anxiety and OCD and that she needs me to crush it smaller and she needs me to motivate her and she needs me to tell her she has to do something. Like I want her to recognize that this is her own story. This is her own journey and to figure out how this beast works for herself and highlighting those, those awarenesses and saying, you know, 
that's really insightful of you to recognize the pattern of how your OCD shows up is going to really help you in the long run. And so we can even turn in these bumps into life lessons. And every bump teaches us new things. Every bump sharpens our skills and every bump adds new skills. And so when the bump shows up in the road, the first thing we want to do as a parent is just quickly go over there and smush it and smooth it out before our kid even reaches it. Totally get that. That's not always helpful. Most of the time it's not helpful. And then the second thing is if there is a bump, you know, we want to hang on to the wheel for dear life just as much as our child does. But we can relax into it and recognize there are bumps. There are bumps in the road and they suck. I'm not going to lie. And you're kind of like, man, can we catch a break? But every bump brings its own lessons and, and makes our children stronger in the end. So I think using past experience can also help, you know, bringing in past experience. Remember when, you know, you had a really hard time when you were like eight years old and you did all this stuff. Well, all those skills haven't gone away, right? It's just that anxiety or CT is looking for a new theme. You know, it's just checking the pulse, reaching out once again. And you've done this before and you will do it again. You're a strong person. We, we want to make sure to not be a bigger cheerleader than our child in the sense that like, we don't want to, we don't want to be too Pollyanna about it. Like I try to match my child's enthusiasm. I don't want to go like 10 octaves higher than her metaphorically. Does that make sense? Because then it can seem like I'm too raw, raw about it. Like I want to be real with my kids. I want to meet them at the level that they're at. Now, if they are really in the depths of despair, I don't want to meet them there, but I also don't want to meet their depths of despair with like Pollyanna, like, yeah, yeah, you got this. This is, you could do it. You've done it before. It's great. I want to meet their tone a little bit. I know this is upsetting. I can get why this would be really overwhelming for you. So I want to meet their tone and then, you know, help them come a little bit higher out of that tone. And so we don't want to be so mix matched that we are, are being deaf to their, to their emotions. Does that make sense? I think you understand what I'm saying because then it can be a turnoff, right? Like I'm not going to tell my mom I'm having any struggles again because wow, she just really turned into like a cheerleader and poured all this sweet sauce on me. And I feel like she didn't get it at all. We don't want to have our kids think that we don't get it. We also don't want to be the other way where we are like just so despondent and so anxious. And then we become like the OCD or anxiety police and, you know, watch every compulsion and start to act frantically because we have to nip this in the bud. Those neuro pathways are growing and we don't want a, a six lane highway. And so we are overzealous to the point where we are maybe increasing their own anxiety. We don't want to do that either. This is a marathon, not a sprint. And we want to take our time, be intentional, be sensitive, and meet our kids where they need to be met. So I hope that you found this helpful. And I am so sorry for any of you who are listening and are hitting a bump right now. It can be really rough, but bumps come and they go. And that's the good news is they go and our kids are so resilient. And don't forget about all the things that are not anxiety or OCD that they do that are amazing and brilliant. Because I think sometimes we can get so blinded by these disorders that that's all we see. We have to remember that even when they're hitting bumps or they're having a really hard time, they could be funny and they can be smart, intelligent, creative, 
you know, kind-hearted, all the things that your child is that is completely separate from anxiety or OCD. And sometimes it can be helpful to, to look at those things, to remind yourself that there's always, it's going to sound so cheesy, but there's always a little rainbow peeking out of those clouds, even when it's, when it's a complete storm outside. So find that little rainbow. And I know things do get better because they always do. They always do for everybody. That's just the cyclical way of anxiety and OCD. So I hope that you're enjoying the podcast. Um, Don't forget to hit a star on iTunes uh, or Google Play or Stitcher, wherever you listen to the podcast. I appreciate that. And if you have a few extra minutes, don't forget to leave a review. Those do matter. And I read all of them. And I appreciate that. And I don't think I have any new reviews. But next time, if you write a review, I'll be reading your review to show you my appreciation. So I hope that you find the sparkle in everything you do. And I'll talk to you again next Tuesday. Take care. Thank you for listening to the AT Parenting Survival Podcast. To get additional support raising a child with anxiety or OCD, visit Natasha's online school of on-demand classes at atparentingsurvivalschool.com. 